to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. Amen. Well, I want to teach this morning. I want to just break open a few uh, concepts, a few points. Uh, and so I want to, all of us to track with me. I, I've been thinking on, on, on this uh, thought, on this uh, thought that, that our work is worship. Our work is worship. So what we did this morning is also worship. We raise our hands, we sing to a few songs, but worship goes beyond Sing a few songs. Worship goes beyond coming to church on Sunday. Our work is worship. All right? And also, I believe that worship is work. That worship requires effort. And I will talk about that on a different uh, day. But this morning, I, I want to just zoom in and talk about our work is worship. And because most of us here aren't in full-time ministry. In fact, I would say 99.9% of the people in this room are not in full-time ministry. You are working. And so sometimes I've got this tension that, oh, but I, I'm working so hard and I'm not worshipping. Now, I want to present to you this morning that our work is actually worship. All right? Before that, we're into almost the month of June now, and uh, a few of us have been deliberating what exactly is our vision, what exactly is our mission. And I, and, and, and I want to tie this message to what, what we've been talking about. All right, You may have heard this said in passing when I was speaking, but I want to reiterate that our vision is simple. Our vision is Jesus. That's our vision. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. And that's exactly what we're about. Our vision is Jesus. We want to focus our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. The reason why this church exists is because Jesus said so. And we want to focus our vision on Jesus, to be like Him, to serve like Him, to minister like Him, to speak like Him, to think like Him. He's our vision. He's our role model. What's our vision in the city? Jesus. Turn to the person next to you and say, you will never forget this. (laughs) So if someone asks you, what's the city's vision? When you talk to people at your workplace trying to invite them to the church and ask you, what's the vision, Jesus? And they say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, exactly that. You know, we're not about revival. We're not about reformation. We're not about trying to transform the world. We're about Jesus. And if Jesus asks us to reform this nation, we will. If Jesus asks us to transform a particular sector, we will. But our vision is Jesus. We keep our eyes on him. Amen. Amen. Right? And what's our mission? Why do we exist? Breaking the vision down, I believe that we can sum it all up into two sentences. But before that, and I want to just interact with you a little bit. Right, we've got a lot of empty seats. Maybe it's good that next Sunday you can move in a little bit. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Shuen. But why, why do you exist? Why do you exist? What's your purpose? Let's go back to the garden. Right? When, when God made man and breathed into man, why did God make man? All right, let's ask the sweet couple that just came back from the honeymoon in Japan. They're glowing. We're in for a surprise in the next few months, maybe. But... <laughs> But, <laughs> but why were you made? Uh, to love God. Great. For a relationship. Wonderful. Jess, why did God make you? To love Him. That's great. Okay. Shuen, the most vocal one. <laughs> why were you made? Why do you exist? Why? Don't try to tie into my message. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> why? 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 Okay, 
For what purpose? See, everything we see in this uh, room has a purpose, right? My phone is to call Shuan when I'm lonely and I need someone to talk to because he can talk really well. And the chair is for you to sit on. So everything that we see around us have a purpose. And so most, most Christians will say we're made to worship. In fact, one of my friends had a website once called Created to Worship. And I think that's true. Uh, we were made to worship. We were made to honor Him, to love Him as worship. But we're also made to work. Right? You have to remember that work existed before the fall. Right? Work wasn't part of the curse. In fact, after God made the perfect environment, He put Adam and Eve in the garden and He said, tend the garden. He says, work! Right? So work is part of the creation. God created work. Work is God's idea. Amen? So... Our mission, I believe, you know, first of all, is we want to know God and, that, and we know God in worship. And we want to make Him known. And that's through our work. Alright, so turn to the person next to and say, to know God, to make Him known. That's why we exist. This is not original. It's from YFC years ago. I think Billy Graham basically uh, summarized this and many people have used this. But I thought that's the best um, summary of why we exist. All right, we exist to know God. We exist to make Him known. We exist to know God. And we know God through worship. And, and as I said, worship goes beyond just singing a few songs. If all there is to your worship, listen carefully, if all there is to your worship this morning is just Sunday singing a few songs, you will not know God. Hello? If all there is to your faith this morning is listening to Andre's amazing teaching every Sunday, you, you will not know God. It goes beyond just a Sunday experience. Amen. And make God known through what, which is what we want to talk, talk about this morning. So during worship, God just downloaded a few concepts to help us understand this. So I was updating my slides. Praise God for Canva. Wow. I was updating my slides during worship. And so have a look at my next slide. This is, this is, this, this is what I, I, I thought of. You know, God just put this in, in me during worship. We inhale in worship and we exhale through work. All right. So let's try this. Okay, let's all take a deep breath and hold it as long as possible. See, Christine can't even hold for three seconds. <laughs> if that's all you do in life, you would suffocate and die, right? Come on. If all we do is we worship. <laughs> You can't breathe. I mean, worship has an outworking and we exhale through our work. We inhale in worship. We, we breathe in the presence. We breathe in the glory. We experience God in His fullness. We inhale. We need to go for conference, come for service, spend time with the Lord, be in the Word. We're inhaling, but we exhale through our work. Let's use our hands. You will never forget this. I, I, I want to just break this down so you remember. All right. Hands up. All right. Hand, raise your hands up. We worship. All right. And we work. Whatever you... Listen, I'm not done yet. Whatever you receive in worship, you give through your... Amen. Whatever you receive in worship, you give through your work. Freely you receive, freely you give. Revelation that you receive from the Lord, you give through your work. And I'm not just talking to those of us who are holding jobs. I'm speaking to students. I'm speaking to house wives. I'm speaking, I'm speaking to Everyone, because we're all working. All right, so this is the, the message. Work is worship. Next slide, please. 
In worship, we love God, and through our work, we love what He loves. Isn't that, that amazing? That's an insight. It's a revelation. I sat there and I said, wow, God, this is, this is new. In worship, we love God. But in, in, through work, we love what, what He loves. And, and at first, you know, I thought I just love people. No, 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 no. It's not just loving people. I think God loves the planet. Right? God loves healthy people. And that's why when you are working in, say, biotech and you are creating new vaccines to make the world a healthier place, you are loving what God loves. When you're creating beautiful designs to make the world a more beautiful place, you are loving what God loves. When you're doing a great piece of work for your boss that produces uh, income, you know, for the business that's doing, that's not harming the earth, but it's creating jobs, you're doing what God loves. Because if there's no income, you can't hire people. You're doing what God loves. And so whatever we do, it's not just people, but things but planet and that's why we need breakthrough in technology breakthrough in in our science breakthrough in our uh, in our thinking new fresh art piece inspired by the holy spirit see all these things when you're teaching in school josh you are doing what god loves you are loving the students you are loving knowledge god loves all this are you with me you need to understand this. Otherwise, you, you, will, you will be a gloomy Christian on Monday. If you're all about, I'm just all about worship, then you'll be, and if, if you're all about work, then you will drag your feet to church on Sunday. But we need to have a balance. In worship, we receive. Through work, we give. In worship, we love God. In our work, we love what He loves. We love people, we love things, we love defense, we love education, we love technology, we love knowledge, we love music, we love the arts, we love what God loves. And so with that as a context, let's talk about work. Alright, work is worship. And I, and I want to propose to you that what you do, listen, is far less important than the heart you bring to it. What you do is far less important than the heart you bring to it. If you forget anything that I say in this message, remember this statement. This is the one takeaway. I wanted to walk out from this place remembering. What you do is less important than the heart you bring to it. Even if you started out as a lower ranking person in the army. You can't say, oh, I'm not a general, I'm not a lieutenant, I'm not even a sergeant, I'm just a lance corporal, I'm a cluck. <laughs> Which is the majority. All right. But most people will say, I'm just a cluck. And you don't, and and you don't bring your heart to work. And someone say, oh, but I'm just... See, I believe that there is no lesser work. All work is good work. All work is important work. Amen. And if you think this morning that you are doing a lesser work, because in terms of the world's perspective, and the world, the world puts a lesser value on what you are doing, it doesn't mean that it's lesser work. It's still good work. Alright? And mark my words, if you put your heart into every work you do, God promotes you. God promotes you. I was scroll, scrolling through Facebook and Straits Times and you know, Business Times, they've got some amazing articles that I read. And so the latest one I, I, the latest one I read last night was, uh, was this guy who, dro who dropped out from uh, all levels, didn't, didn't do well in, in, in school. Now, children, listen, I'm not, this is not a permission for you to drop out from school. But I'm just saying that this guy didn't have the opportunity to finish his school. And uh, through hard work, he, you know, he is now managing assets. Went through a, 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 a Citibank, went to London. He runs his own portfolio. See, friends, 
It's not where you start, it's how you do it. It's what you put into your work. Somebody say amen, please. See, Christians sometimes divide what they do into two categories. And if you're guilty of that this morning, I want you to change. Say, to pretend the person next to you and say, Daniel wants you to have a paradigm shift. Come on, all of us say that. Even people at the back. Daniel wants me to have a paradigm shift. See, we all divide whatever we do into two categories. What is secular, what is religious. That's what we do. Oh, I'm in secular vocation. Oh, I'm in spiritual vocation. Can I say that that is a wrong belief? It's an ungodly belief we've got to change. Shift that paradigm. It's all source in God. See, God doesn't have a different set of rules for our various tasks. Amen? Everything we do is to be done as unto the Lord, whether on the job, in the home, at school, in church, or in the community. And let me unpack this a little bit more. See, some of us are so amazing in our workplace, but in the church, we, we, are, we are mediocre in our service to, to the Lord. Why? And some of us are amazing in, in church. I've had a friend in the past who studied so many years you know, and became a lawyer, but she would proudly tell all her Christian friends, oh, I'll leave on the dot. Five o'clock, I'll leave. Even if if the boss doesn't leave, I'll still leave because I want to be in church. Now, I knew where she's coming from, but I am troubled by what she said because that's not a kingdom attitude. Amen? Hello? Are you getting me? It's not... Because if you understand that whatever you are being put to do is unto the Lord, then don't compromise on, on your passion, on your effort. All right? In school, it's the same thing. Some, when, when, when I was growing up, people say, oh, you have, you, have, you have got to love God more than your studies. Work is worship. Study is loving God. Just like Leading a cell group is loving God. You must pour your heart into the cell. Amen? Am I making sense? See, everything we do is unto the Lord, whether it's in school, at church, in the community. See, since this, because it encompasses every aspect of life, and we need to know what the Bible says about work in the lives of the believers, which is why I want to explain. I want to spend some time to talk to you about work. Because most of us are working, and I've heard different comments from people saying you know, how they feel so, un- so unspiritual because they, they are overworking. Now, if you're overworking, that's a different issue. All right? But work is spiritual. Working hard is no different from worshipping passionately. Amen. That is great preaching, Daniel doing a great presentation on Wednesday is no different from delivering a sermon on Sunday. Amen? With, with no limitations, if you are always pouring, like, you know, if you've got no time for family, then you are overworking. Yes, I get that. But you have to learn how to say no. The most powerful word in the universe is no. No, I can't. All right? But if always saying no because you're living an, an imbalanced life, then something is wrong with your life, which is a different message altogether. But I want to talk about work with regards to your vocation, whatever you are doing now. Imagine if all of us raise our level of work in this church. We, we don't have a lot of people, over 120 you know, on, a, on a, an average Sunday. But if all of us just pour our heart into our work, as unto the Lord... What would the world look like? So let's read two verses from Colossians. This is Paul the Apostle instructing the early believers about work. And this is what he says in verse 17. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, he says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do all, say all, in the name of the Lord Jesus. The name, as you've heard from us before, doesn't just mean, oh, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, alright? It's not that. Name means in the spirit, in the nature. That's what the, that's what the word means in, in Greek, in the name, in the nature, in the, in the spirit that Jesus would do His work. 
in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. So the Bible says, whatever you do, do it in the spirit that Jesus would do it, which is why our vision is Jesus. How would Jesus teach? How would Jesus do research? How would Jesus run a unit? How would Jesus pastor a church? How would Jesus lead the youth ministry? How would Jesus travel? How, how, what would Jesus, how would Jesus make a movie or make a film? What would Jesus do? In the Spirit. Next verse, please. Verses 22 to 25. I'll read the first few verses. It says, Slaves. Now, you you must know the context. In in the days of Jesus, uh, in in days of Paul, uh, slavery is part, part of the culture of those days. So, Paul wasn't condoning slavery. See, people have actually used this verse to say, slaves are fine. No, no, you have to understand the, the historical context. But the spirit of the scripture here is those of us who are employees, who are working. So it says, employees, in all things, obey those who are your employers on earth. Honor them, revere them, not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. Now, you have to understand this verse. This is, this is very powerful. He says, in all things, do it unto the Lord. Which means what Paul was saying here is, hey, don't do whatever you do for your employers. Yeah, I know you're hired by the Singapore government. You are, in, you are hired by the Ministry of Education. Yes, they are your master. You are receiving a paycheck from from taxpayers' money, all right? So, great. But if that's all you do, it's just external service, which is 99.9% of the world, including Christians. But what Paul was saying here is, hey, that's the wrong motivation. Your motivation should be God. With sincerity of heart, revering God. Bring Jesus to work on Monday. Hello? If you're always complaining about your work, you're either in the wrong place or you've got to change your attitude. Amen? It's either you've lost sight of a purpose. Why did you even take up that job in the first place? Because if all you do is just to oh, always like complaining, talking about your employer, then you're in the wrong work, the wrong environment, leave. But if God has put you there, if it's given you a purpose, a vision, then stop. Do it unto the Lord, fearing Him. And whatever you do, do your work heartily. Say heartily. Now, I love that word. The word, word heartily comes from uh, the Greek phrase, from the soul. Alright, I love this. Why? Because you know how many parts there are to a human soul? Rachel? How many parts? Three parts. Let me help you. Three parts. All right. And the three parts are your human soul, brother. Three parts. The three parts to your human soul. First of all, you have got your emotions or feelings. Say feelings. Feelings. And then you have got your, your mind, your intellect. And you have got your will. So what? Paul was saying here is, whatever you do, do it unto the Lord. Work with your whole heart, your, 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 your whole mind, with, with, your, with, with feelings. With your will. Put your heart into it. Put your will to it. And this is what Paul was saying. Applies to students too. Children, students, same thing. You are a slave to the Singapore system at this point in time. My apologies, but if you're in the system, you are in the system. Your master is your teacher. But when you go, go to school, sincerity of heart, fearing God, do it unto the Lord. Working with your whole mind. What does it mean? All right? It applies across the board. Let me apply it for you. First start with your vocation. Your whole mind means that you're always thinking, like, how can I do this better? How can I improve myself? How, how can I take this, how can I take this uh, piece of, of work to the next level before my deadline? You're always thinking. You are, you are not think, thinking, oh, as long as I, I, I submit my work, fine already. No! Just let's use 
Yao Sheng, since he's in front of me, right? He's in research, all right? And he has got clients, which means that if he does a good piece of uh, work, then the client pays them. Of course, if he does a bad piece of work, the client also pay them, but they won't hire them again. <laughs> Alright, but if he's a if if he's a lousy employee, alright, just listen. Lousy employee, he's just saying, okay, I'll do the bare minimum law. I'll I'll, I'll same what I take when I I my take home pay. If I do a good job, bad job, they'll still pay me what. So I'll do it law. Alright, so he will. But you know, there's a lot of but that's how a lot of people are acting. But what this verse means to Yao Sheng is put his mind to it. He may be. Entry level, maybe now manager already, all right? Maybe, I don't know, team leader. He's always thinking, this is, this is good work, but how can I make it better? Oh, I've got one more day. Can I, can I move these things around? Can I improve this? Can I shift this? And he's always thinking, putting his mind to it. Church is the same thing. Right, if you're overseeing Asha, whoever that is, Derek, where, where, uh, uh, where are you? If you're overseeing Asha, it's the same thing. You're not saying, okay, la, I'll just do the bare minimum law. I'll just come and say hi to people. You're always applying your mind. How can I do this better? Is there a next level? Can I take it to one more step? You know, can, can we go the extra mile? You're always thinking. You're, always, you're applying your mind. That's, that's what it means working with your soul. What, what about your will? Don't drag your feet. You know, I'm. You are, you are seeing this verse in action, alright? With your whole soul, I preach with feelings. You lead worship with feelings. You apply yourself. You apply your feelings. You apply your will. You apply your mind. You're always thinking, what new examples can I use? How can I communicate so that people can actually learn? I'm thinking, raise hand, put hands, you know, thinking of all the... I'm always applying myself. And I know with Canva, I can make changes so you can learn better. So I'm, I was doing it. Friends, apply your soul to your work. Amen? Whether it's in your vocation or in church, if you're overseeing a cell, always thinking, how can I help people grow better? How can I help them learn about the scriptures? How can I help them know God, make God known? If you know this is the mission, if you are a cell group in the church, your, your raise on that, your reason for being is to advance the mission. So the cell is, okay, Daniel says that we are to know God, make God known. So how can the cell know God better? How can the cell make God known more? That's what I did when I was growing up in church. They didn't pay me to do that. I was always thinking, okay, this is the vision for Cornerstone. What can I do? How can I do it, be- How can I do it better? And when I was leading a youth ministry, same thing. Worship is okay, it's great. We've moved from a 4 to a 7 now, but how can I push it towards 10? How can I... This is what it means to work unto the Lord. Is it because I want to please my pastors? No! Is it because I want them to promote me so I can become the senior pastor? Am I making sense? <laughs> but it's unto the Lord. I'm, I'm not motivated by promotion, motivated by, by money. I'm motivated because I want to do it unto the Lord. I think I've got no time to finish my message. We can continue. Huh? This is so important. Students, teachers, Pastors, volunteers, there's no different. Every work is important. Every work is good work. Amen? A few points. We are all stewards of all that God has entrusted to us. See, a steward is a, is a manager of the master's affairs. And as Christians, we have each been entrusted with the good works the Lord has ordained for us. This is what the Bible says. He has prepared good works for us to walk in. See, when you, when you were born, when you were born again, all right, God has prepared good works. What does, what does that mean? That means that He has actually have responsibilities in mind for you. I hope you are taking up the right responsibilities. See, a lot of Christians don't seek God regarding what responsibilities they take on and they burn themselves out. No, ask God, God, is this from you? If it's from God, you take it. Alright? Good work. God, is this a good work from you? He has prepared good works for you to walk in, right? So, am I walking in the path called good works? Just use your imagination. There's a path named good works. Am, am I walking in the path named good works? 
If it is, praise God. Prepare good works for you to walk in. And we're all stewards. He has given us work to do. And the goal is not to compare ourselves with others, but to be found trustworthy. I'm, I'm trying to communicate that to my amazing teenagers. I'm not comparing them to how their friends are faring, but even not comparing them, themselves to the grades they get, but comparing themselves to how they are stewarding their vocation at this point in time. Are you applying your soul? Are you putting your heart into it? So I love it when they apply their soul to what they do. Like I can boast about them. Mary Beth is a loyal friend. She applies her soul to her friends. She speaks up for her friends. She defends her friends. She will go all out to be with her friends. I love that part about her. Right? Right, Mary Beth? I love that, that part about her. I can talk about Titus applying himself to basketball and, and now he can beat me already. When, when he was 12 and I said, no problem, he'll try to jump and just. But now I can't beat him. He, will, he can dribble with both hands. I can't even dribble well with my left hand. But I love it when people put their soul, their heart into it. Likewise, God expects us to compare ourselves to what He has given to us. Amen. See, let's, in Luke chapter 12, verses 42 to 48, Jesus tells a story of two stewards. One who was faithfully doing his assigned job and another one was slacking off. <laughs> we, are, we, we can all fit into one of those two buckets. <laughs> all right, Christians. We you can all fit into one of those two buckets. And this is to illustrate how his followers are accountable to him. And, and the Bible says in verse 48, from everyone who has been given much, much will be required. And to those who were entrusted much of him, they will ask all the more. So which means that God has entrusted to you amazing things and he will require from you. See, all of us are accountable because we are stewards, we are not owners. All of us are. As I said, the previous verse is, even though you're working for an employer, you're working for the Lord. He's, been, he's given you talent. Are you maximizing your talent? See, in Luke 19, we've got another parable called, called the parable of the ten minas. Minas. I think it's minas. And in that parable, it's very interesting. All right? So there, 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 there are two distinct parables about talents and minas. So basically, there are two stories in the Bible. The first story is the master was going away. He gave his uh, servants different amount of talents. Ten Five and one, right? Five, two, and one. Depends on what version you read. But he, he, he gives you different talents. And so that simply means that there is unequal distribution of talent according to the grace that's on your life. Now, that's, amen, true. But in the story in Luke chapter 19, it's a different context. And the context here is God has equally distributed potential to all of us. We all have got potential. We may have different potential, but we all have been, we have all received potential. We have all received equal measure of time, unique talents, and treasure. Right? So when a king comes back, he will only measure his servants against what he gave them. So listen, Jesus will not compare you to anyone else. You will only be evaluated against what he has given you. So stop comparing yourself and say, I can't preach as, as well as Andre. I can't worship like Christine. I can't you know, have the mind of uh, Christopher. I don't compare myself. I celebrate them. I rejoice when they do a great piece of work. Yeah. If you compare yourself, you'll always be insecure and, com and competitive. And that's not how God wants us to live our lives. Teenagers, listen carefully. Don't compare yourself to your friends, how big they are, how small you are. Be contented with the Lord that He has given you. All right? I'll, always, I'll always have small shoulders. I can try to do push-ups, but my shoulders are always because my mom has got small shoulders. I wish my shoulders like my dad, but I've got small shoulders. I, can be, I just have to be content. I, I have a big head. I always have an outsized head. What to do? 
I can't string my head. I, my growth has stopped at 1.69. It's, it's, it's as tall as I can. Now I can work my muscles. Of course, I get it. But I have to be contented with my lot. Are you with me? Yes. Right. I, I'm gifted differently. I'm a bit more inspiring. I, I, I can cast stronger vision. I'll just be who I am. I'll leave the teaching to Mr. Andre Tan. I'll leave the worship leading to, to Therese. The prophesying to Jason. God has equally distributed time, talent, and treasure. Amen. Right? But He will evaluate us against what He has given to us. If you're, if you're called to be a, a Bible teacher, be a world-class Bible teacher. You may not be at that level, world-class, but shoot towards that. Right? Shoot towards that. If, if you know you're prophetic, push into it. Mr. Dean Ghazi, push into it. Apply the prophetic in every area of your work. Amen. If you know that you are a teacher, apply that to every area of your work. Use it for the glory of God. Somebody say amen. amen. But to accomplish the work God has planned for us, it requires discipline. It's a word that no one likes. You know, about four years, four years ago, I'm, I'm, I'm just giving you, you know, an inside look of what I've been learning, right? I think I've learned youth ministry. I've exhausted, I've exhausted my understanding of youth ministry. Of course, young people are always growing, but you know what? Young people are the same, whether 50 years ago, five years ago, or five years later, same, all right? The technology is different, the distractions are different, but it's the same. All right, and how to run a youth group must change, but it's the same. Right? You must stay, uh, uh, stay relevant. But when I was pastoring the youth, for five years, I read nothing else. Nothing else but youth ministry, youth psychology, how does, does young people think, how to run a youth group, how to relate to youth, what can we do? I apply to it. I look for mentors. I ask them questions. I read. I, I subscribe. Use my father's credit card. Subscribe to youth pastors.com you know why I'm, I'm I, I was disciplined to learn I connect with youth ministries around the world I write into them I call call them some write back some don't it's okay I apply myself to it a few years ago see one one thing that I've not that, that I wasn't taught well when, when I was growing up see God expects us to earn as much as we can right of course that, that's what West, what Wesley said create value basically right he expects us to save as much as we can don't spend, safe. Live within your means. And He expects us to grow, give as much as you can, but also to, to grow what, whatever you have. Talents. And so I ask myself, okay, I know I save. I know I give. I give. I know I give. I give to people. I give to church. I give to ministries. I give. I know I save. I tried my best. For the longest time, I tried, I save. We empty our bank account. God provided, you know, when we took the kids, you know, to, uh, for, our, for our vacation. But in the last four years, I realized I've not learned how to invest well. So guess what I did? I poured my heart into it. I started reading. I read Buffett. I read, you know, it, it, was it wrong? Is it wrong? Is that spiritual, unspiritual? Everything is Spiritual. In fact, the only competition that is worthy to be mentioned in the Gospels to loving God is loving money. Right? You either serve God or mammon. So it's the only worthy opponent. And so I've learned the last four years, money is a terrible master, a good servant. So I learned how to master it, right? Make it work for you. Oh, don't work for it. Make it work for you. So I apply myself. I read. I, you know, I read Christian books. I read secular books. I read what, what does the Bible say about money? I read Jewish thinking behind. I mean, the Jews are amazing, right? Rabbis, how they see it. And so I start looking at it as how can I grow? What can I do? But what's my point? It requires discipline. You want to be a great ballerina? Discipline. Stretch. Practice three hours. I just read somewhere that you know, the reason why Bill Gates is so successful, do you know why? When he was in high school, the parents wanted want, want him to sleep. 
and he would pretend to go to bed. Don't learn this, uh, teenagers. But pretend to go to bed, and then he would snuck himself out, and he would then go to his school lab. In those days, computers were expensive, and so he so he just sneak out, and he went to his to, to the computer lab, and he and he coded. As a teenager, he was coding from thirteen to sixteen. Just write, he, he writes codes. Is there any wonder why he founded Microsoft? Is there any wonder? Hard work, discipline. I couldn't speak when I was growing up. I started to ask my dad, ask my wife's mom, my, my, my mother-in-law now, ask my cell group when I was growing up. And when I knew I have to be a youth pastor, I applied myself to it, discipline, listen to sermons, try to talk like them, but, I've, but I have to learn to find my own voice, but I'll record myself and, and cringe when I hear myself. That's not fun. I, I, I listen to every single sermon I preach and I cringe through it. But then I notice, don't say that phrase, slow down here. How do you engage? Don't try to be angmore when you speak. Don't try to speak with accent. Just be normal, be yourself. Uh, Four years. It requires discipline. If you want to receive a well done, it requires discipline. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25 says, Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. And you know that. If you want to be an athlete, you cannot eat junk food. You can't sleep late. You live by a regime. You know that. Why not in your own Christian life? Why not in your vocation? Why, why, why not pour your heart into doing whatever you are doing now? Excel and I'll be your greatest cheerleader, people. I'll cheer for you. Somebody say amen. <laughs> See, Paul is a wonderful example. Paul held a day job as he carried out the work of the ministry. Do you know that? You know what Paul said? Paul said, I'm an apostle. I write all these letters. I teach. I travel. I planted churches. And Paul said this. Paul says, I can actually live by the gospel. Right? He says, don't muzzle the ox. So Paul established a principle for future generations. And, and, what he's, and what he wrote has actually become helpful for pastors. He says, if the pastors are doing the work of the ministry, the church should pay them. That's what Paul said. Right? Are you with me? But then Paul says, but I live by an, ex- an exception. That's Paul. He says, I choose to be different. I can demand for the church to pay me, but I say I won't. He says, I will not be a burden to the church. That was the Apostle Paul. He thought of Andre Tan 2,000 years ago, and he says, one day Andre would need to live by the gospel. So I better write this in the book of Corinthians. It can be applied then to theology. And, but he says, Paul says, no. But then Paul didn't just live by faith like what Andre said. Huh? Paul worked because work is spiritual. So Paul worked. He was a tent maker. He made tents. Right? That, that was his day job. And let's read 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9 says, For you recall, brethren, our labor and hardship, how working night and day, so as not to be a burden to any of you. We proclaim to you the gospel of God. He labored. He worked hard. He applied discipline to what he does. And he expresses frustration in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 to 9. The message translation, please. It says here, Our orders, backed up by the Master Jesus, are to refuse to have anything to do with those among you who are lazy and refuse to work the way we taught you. Don't permit them to freeload on the rest. We showed you how to pull your weight when we were with you. When we were with you. So get on with it. We didn't sit around on our hands expecting us to, to take care of us. In fact, we worked our fingers to the bone. Up half the night, moonlighting. So you wouldn't be burdened with taking care of us. And it wasn't because we didn't have the right to your support. We did. We simply wanted to provide an example of diligence, hoping it would prove contagious. 
powerful verses. Paul says, I work both in the gospel, but also I work so I can create value, provide for myself so I wouldn't be a burden to the church. While the church is advancing, I work hard. And he says, for those of you who are not working, the Bible says, have nothing to do with them. He was frustrated with those who are bumming around and this applies to every area of our lives. Working life in church too. Can I say it in a loving way? Hey guys, don't just warm seats. There are people here serving their butts out, if you ever can say that. Coming every week, preparing breakfast. I pray that we'll all pour our hearts into it, but going beyond that, hey, don't just warm seats. Contribute. Give. Your time, your talent, your treasure. Put your heart into the house of the Lord. If this is where you belong, then start serving. Now, the owner's eyes on us to tell you where you can serve. If you want to know where you can serve, look for Andre Tan. Alright? But... The fact is, don't just warm seats, take up space. We all have a part to play. And in your vocation, don't just go to work and leave on time. That's not what God expects from you. Pour your heart. They moonlight till late. What's the point here? I must ask, ask you to burn out work, uh, uh, to work? No. I'm asking you to pour your heart into it, to excel, because when you excel, it glorifies God. It glorifies God. I can finish my message. Praise God. And how we go about our work matters. Yes? Even if we accomplish all the tasks before us, our results could still fail to please God. It isn't because he's a harsh taskmaster or perfectionist, but because how we work is as important, if not more important to him than what we do. And I say that, and I'll bring us back to that again. It's how we work. It's how you study. It's how you lead your men. It's how you pastor a church. It's how you do your research. It's how you do your research. It's how you take care of you know, the folks. It's, it's, it's how. <laughs> it looks like something. Right. You know, when I was in full-time ministry, back in Cornerstone, I was a junior staff. I really was. I, vol- I volunteered for every single thing. You, you need a driver, I'll drive. I'll drive the van. We opened the, the church gate every morning for prayer meetings, every Sunday, every Saturday. Stay back till late. No one. I'm not trying to get promotion. As I, as I said, I, 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 I've got no aspiration to be a senior leader. All I want is to just pour my heart into it. Youth people here who were part of our youth, we stayed back late. I came, two services, sat there, do discipleship in between before the youth, uh, youth meeting starts. Meet the leaders after the, the meeting. Go with them for dinner. Sit there, inspire them. Go back home flat out. But you know what? I feel great. I lie on my bed and I said, God, this is a day well lived. It's a day well lived. And this is what the body of Christ needs to understand. Because that's my vocation. I went over and above my pay grade. I was doing the work of a senior pastor even though I was paid as a, as, as a clerk. They have to stop me from giving ideas for the whole church. I'm serious. I'll, I'll, I'll say to my pastor during a meeting, maybe we should run the children's ministry like that. You know, they were all like roll their eyes. Daniel again, he, here he goes again, trying to tell everyone how to run the church. Is it because I'm proud? No, because I own it. <laughs> Is there anyone wonder why we planted a church? I was living... Like a senior leader, when I wasn't a senior leader, the next best thing is, okay, I just want to be a, you grow into it. See, people recognize the hand of God on your life. Does it make sense? Live like a principal, Josh, and you will become one. Don't, don't just say, but I'm only a junior teacher, you know, I'm just my first or second year in teaching. Think like a head of department. Contribute. If they're insecure because of your, your, your ideas, then it's their problem, not yours. 
live like lead like a manager. If your if your manager is insecure, do you know what? I assure you, in a matter of of one, two, two years, they will leave. They will leave. Because no company will appreciate insecure leaders who are trying to thumb their employees down. Same thing in the church. I want all of you to think like a senior pastor. Think. Look at the empty seats. How would Daniel feel? How would Andre think? How would they feel? People come there, how would they feel? If you think like that, that's what ownership is about. What's the point of this message? It's time to work. Because work is worship. Work hard at your job. Work hard in the kingdom. Work hard. Whatever you are given to do, maximize it. Let's all stand. The way you work matters. It's not what you do. It's how you do that make a difference in the kingdom. And I'm speaking from experience. I really am. Across the spectrum. Most of you know that I'm not, full, I'm not hired full-time at the city for three years already. In the last three years, before you know, Andre came back and the team starts to reform, I was pouring my heart into it. I, and I came to a point where I said, I can't do this. How, where do I start? When we didn't have any owners, a lot of supporters, which is what we're grateful about, 70% of the church are involved in ministry. Involved in ministry. That's amazing. That's a great place to start. But volunteers, let's, let's step up and own the area of your ministry. Own it. I said, I'll own this. Right? I'll own the ushers. I'll own the cell group. I'll, I'll own it. It's a great place to start. But it's time to go to the next level. But even in my work, I apply myself to it. I'm involved in philanthropy in a sense. I'm advising people on how they can give. They have, they, they have an experience doing that? No, zil three years ago. But can I say something? I think after three years, I'm pretty good. <laughs> Is it because it's me being gifted? No. I study, I read the different foundations in the US, how they think, who's the first, uh, who's the father of modern day philanthropy. US, Carnegie, Rockefeller, how they think. I didn't know all that. I know who the pastors were. For the last three years, I think I've applied myself to it. Listen to podcasts, listen to... What's my point? To me, there's no difference, huh? There's no difference. Fostering. I know nothing. That's my wife's lane. But she starts reading up and I, I, she, she starts studying. See, we live like that. There's, there's, there's no difference. So you know, don't put your life in buckets. Live as one. Everything we do is unto the Lord. Everything. Amen everything. Let's sing a song and we'll, and we'll close the service.